Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. This is the Skate Podcast, talking Bruins hockey with WEI Bruins writers Scott McLaughlin, Bridget Prue, and Brian DeFelice. Lace them up for some bees talk. It's Odyssey's The Skate Pod on WEI. Woo! Welcome into episode 240 of the Skate Podcast. I am Brian DeFelice, joined as always by Bridget Prue and Scott McLaughlin. The Bruins defeated the New York Islanders, who are a historically stingy team to score against, to play against. They defeat them 5-2 to two at the Garden. The Bruins improved to 11-1-1 on the new season. Bridget and Scott, let's get to our opening shifts. The Bruins have the best record in the NHL. Once again, they're doing this again. The Vegas Golden Knights have two losses now, two regulation losses. So Bruins sit there all alone at 11-1-1. And... and it is kind of crazy, you know, look, obviously a huge game for Charlie Coyle with the hat trick, which we're going to get into, but it is kind of crazy because it's still, to me at least, I don't know if you guys agree, but like, it still doesn't feel like last year. And I don't know if that's a combination of they're not quite as dominant. They're certainly not as explosive offensively, although the five goals against the Islanders was a season high. Um or just kind of like the attitude around the team where it's, you know, people are still still not over last year, so they're still not fully buying in. But, you know, there's there's they're not a perfect team. There's some stuff we can kind of pick apart as we go along here. But at some point, you got to kind of just look at the record and be like, yeah, I don't know. that They're definitely one of the best teams in the league, and they may very well be a contender once again. And, you know, the schedule's gotten tougher and they've kept winning. It's can't ignore 11, one and one. No, no, but I do disagree with you on one point there. So we'll get to that later after our opening shifts. But so mine is that they're getting uh, it seems like they're on the path to getting healthier and maybe getting a few guys back. Obviously, we know Charlie McAvoy coming back next game um, after finishing out his fourth game of his suspension. Uh, so he'll be back in the lineup, which is huge. We we're when talking about can the defense hold up without him. Um, Forbert came back last night, um, and we don't know whether or not he's actually going to stay in the lineup because he did not practice today. 
but he was in last night's game, played the whole game. Didn't like we, he, we didn't see him leave with an injury. He did take a few shots. Like he blocked a few shots that I saw him come up a little bit slow. And I was kind of at the time in the back of my head, like, Oh, that might be something that re injures something. So he's not practicing today, but um, he was back in the lineup. And for the first time in a long time, Grizzlick and Lucic skated um, before yesterday's practice. So they're, getting back in the swing of things, practicing. And Jacob Lacko actually is, he's the closest. Um, he had taken warmups before the game yesterday, though. I don't, I don't think he was a game time decision. I think that they just wanted him to take warmups before um, the Bruins game. So he was out on the ice wearing a net guard um, in a full cage, but he looks like he's non-contact now and ready to go um, in the next few games, maybe for him. So uh, mine, basically just about kind of the injuries and there was one person added to the list and that was Morgan Geeky who was put on long-term or not long-term, but just, he was put on IR. So um, he is out of the lineup and that's kind of explains the, the need for different lines in yesterday's game. My biggest takeaway is that you have to keep Charlie Coyle together with James Van Riemsdyk and Trent Frederick. Every time they've been together this year, the three of them have been they've been outstanding. I mean, they they're all big bodies. They all possess the puck and most importantly, they all seem to have chemistry with one another. Scott's mentioned it in the past that Coyle and Frederick just work together. It just does. They seem to be good friends off the ice as well. I noticed on a behind the B episode after uh Trent Frederick fought in Los Angeles in the locker room afterwards, Coyle came over to him and said thank you. So in that you know, famous mic'd up moment where Frederick's like, you want it, you go with me. Uh, I think that the guy from LA was trying to drop the gloves with Coil or get in Coil's kitchen. So there's just a, a friendship between those two guys in chemistry. And uh, obviously, Charlie Coil scores his first career hat trick last night, gets four points in the game, three goals and an assist, gets him to 12 points in 13 games in the season, which is, you know, a clip that would continue to be uh, his, his best. Uh, point production uh, in the NHL in a given season. And, um, and yeah, that, that's my takeaway. Those three, you call them whatever line you want. I don't care. Label them however you want, but those three need to stay together. And Scott, his point production now is not on pace for 69 points. So no. sorry, he ruined that for you when he scored the hat trick. Cause yeah, Scott he, with his tweet. Coil. Hey, I, I just tweet facts, Bridget. That, that's all I do. Right? Yeah, well, I noticed trying you to didn't keep, update the new pace after just trying to keep, keep, keep the people informed. Uh, I had it I had in my column this morning is new is a new pace. So no, you uh, did. Oh, okay. I was gonna say you put you put the number sixty nine in your column today. <laughs> no, no, the the new pace seventy six. Yeah, it's incredible. He Cole was already so he had eight points through the first twelve games, which I think was kind of almost quietly happening. He was tied for second on the team in assists uh, even before Thursday night and was on a 55-point pace, which is his career high is 56. 55 would be the most he's ever had in Boston. So it was already a pretty good offensive start for him. Then, obviously, three goals and an assist really kicks it up a notch. Um, and, you know, it's... I asked Montgomery after the game, you know, did you kind of see Coyle playing better offensively even before this. And his, that his answer was a little cautious. Cause he was like, 
in he was like in flashes, yes. But I thought he was playing a little slower than last year. And I talked to him about that. And he said Thursday night was his most complete game, even outside of the three goals, obviously. Um, but yeah, it's it, he's been really good this year. And obviously he's still getting the tough defensive assignments. He's their top penalty killing forward in terms of shorthanded minutes. Um, and Brian, you're, you're right about that line. Like I, I know sometimes stuff happening on other lines. Montgomery feels the need to change it. Like he thought he needed to put Frederick with Patra because a couple, a couple opponents in a row kind of took some runs at Patra, but yeah, it does work so well. Like it's, it's really hard to change that. And, you know, to put some numbers on it, um, Coyle, JVR, Frederick, they've played 56 minutes together at five on five now. And Bruins have outscored opponents four to one and outshot opponents 35 to 25. Um, the only line comparable in terms of production has been Martian, Zaka, and Pasternak, which is also at a four to one uh, margin in goals. But Van Reems, like Coyle, Frederick has been even more dominant in terms of possession and chances. Like that, they all things considered, that's probably been their best combination this year. That's gotten more than like, you know, five or 10 minutes together. That That's actually gotten a couple games together. That's probably been their best combination so far. Yeah. I mean, I, I think clearly you have two lines that work right now. You have the one we're talking about and you have, and you have Zaka, Martian and Pasternak. So uh, the fourth line is tough to to assess based on Lucic being down for, you know, let's call it the majority of the season so far. Uh, and Lauko goes down in Chicago. So the fourth line's been kind of a, you know, mixed bag of sorts with Oscar Steen and Beecher and whatever, you name it. But, um, yeah, that line just works. Coyle, Frederick. And Van Reem's like, it works. Don't go away from it. Allow them to keep building. And that first line of, of Pasternak, Zaka, and Marshan, there that works too, right? It's you can sit there and all you want and say, we don't want Pasternak and Martian on the same line because you want to have balance and depth. Well, they don't have that luxury right now to kind of split up everybody that like you have that line of, of JVR, Coyle, and Frederick. That works. Leave it alone. Okay. Um, Marshan and, and, and Pasternak and JVR, I mean, um, what's his name? Zaka. They kind of give you that that perfection line with without Bergeron, with Zaka in there. You got to figure out what Debreska's doing. And Debreska's game hasn't been where it needs to be from a point production standpoint. Potra's still figuring out the NHL level. Uh, who do you put with them? Heinen, Geeky, if he's healthy? I don't know. We all know the Bruins are a top six forward short. Um, when you mentioned off the top, Scott, like maybe they are just a contender, right? But they're forward short, and that makes sense when you look at those top three lines. So knowing that, all right, figure out DeBrusque and Patra, and then just let those other two lines just keep – let them keep keep going. Yeah, and I did think that that line with De, um, DeBrusque, Patra, and Heinen had a few good shifts, especially early in the game. They had a lot of energy. They were getting things going. It kind of made me think like – do you ever feel like sometimes there's just an extra guy on the roster you don't know what to do with and it kind of screws up the entire like line, like all the lines? And it's it's kind of like they're I almost feel like Heinen worked 
well enough with Debreskin Patra that it you you got a different look at that line and what it could be because Heinen is um he's very quick and he's good at getting pucks back and he's he's pretty good at stealing pucks as well um and he's actually he's been a, a pretty decent setup guy in terms of starting um starting offense and and setting up goals but I feel like he was a better fit for that the other two than geeky has been this this season so it it's interesting that geeky comes out and you you get you have you look at this line as a necessity like him having to fill that role as a necessity because um geeky's gone but i i didn't think there was anything that heinen was doing to bring that line down in fact i thought it looked better than when they had geeky on it earlier in the season yeah i mean I thought Potter and Geeky early on had really good chemistry together. So, you know, I don't want to say, like, I'm certainly not going to say that like Geeky was dragging anything down. Like I thought, I thought he was actually helping Potter quite a bit early on with his, his forechecking and his work around the net. Um, but then I think Geeky had kind of gone quiet a little bit and now obviously is out with the injury. So it does open up an opportunity for Heinen, who's, who was the most, natural option out of their, you know, say like the fourth line rotation. He was the most obvious one to get bumped up first and does look like he continues to get more and more up to speed. Still, still a couple times. I feel like he, there was at least one play yesterday where he held onto a puck a little too long and wasn't really moving his feet and got it taken away. And you still see that happen a couple times. Um, so, you know, something to clean up, but, you're right. Like he is, he is helping to make plays. And I thought that was a good line Thursday night. And most importantly, Jim Montgomery thought it was a good line. He said he was, he said he thought it was their all around best offensive performance this season. And he actually liked all of the lines, um, which is a borderline miracle for Jim Montgomery to like all four lines at once. Um, Not just like mix them up a hundred times. Right. So Uh, Suggest suggest that we might actually see them kept together, although also yeah. worth noting, and we might have an update by the time we're done recording, but Pavel Zaka was not on the ice for Friday's practice either. Um, remains to be seen if that's, you know, uh, just a maintenance day or something more concerning. He, like Forbert, he finished the game. It looked like he took all his regular shifts, so we'll just have to wait word on that. And uh, to kind of, like, add a little bit to what I was saying about that line with Zabrusk and Heinen with Patra. If you look back at the lineup when Geeky was in with Patra, he's always on the right side and they usually had Frederick on the left side. They didn't really have space for Debrusque on a line because like I know Debrusque play either side, but he's been better off on, he's been better on the right side. Well, that's where Geeky plays. And so you kind of really couldn't get both of those guys on the same line with Patra, but you really want to brusque with Patra. So it kind of was, you, you couldn't really have all three together because you'd rather use the on the right. So with Heinen on that line, you don't have to worry about that because he's playing on the left side. Yeah. Are there, are there any other takeaways from you guys regarding coil that line? I mean, before we transition to your guys's, opening shifts just because like, I guess my, my ultimate takeaway is there's been so much chatter going into the season. Right. And, I, and ourselves included, like is coil a number two center or a top two center? Like what line, it, whatever line he's on, what's it? Li- 
my takeaway is it doesn't matter. I don't care what you call that line of JVR, Coyle, and Frederick. That's the line that he that he plays best on. And that's at the end of the day, that's what matters most, right? Optimizing each each skater's uh, skill set and, and putting him in a position to succeed. And if that's if that's with JVR and Frederick and they all gel, that's all that matters. That if that's the best version of Charlie Coyle that you can get, then you stick with that line. That's that's my ultimate takeaway. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, it's like we've mentioned this a couple of times, but when they load up that top line and Marsha and Pasta together, it's it's really you have a clear first line, and then it's you have a, your clear fourth line, and then it's just a middle six. Like you're right, it doesn't matter if Coyle's line gets called the second line or Potter's line does. Like they're the ice time for those two lines has been fairly similar for the most part. There's been games where Patra gets a little more ice, Patra and DeBrus get a little more ice time, games where Coyle's line gets leaned on more. Some of that could even be matchup, game situations. You know, you're probably trusting Coyle more when you have the lead and you're trying to hold on in the third period. Patra might give you more of an offensive spark if you're trailing, which the Bruins never are, so we haven't really seen that. Um, they, you know, I think Kevin Paul Dupont's been tracking like lead time this season, and it's like twelve to one in favor of the Bruins. They just obviously, as you might expect with their record, like they're just not trailing in games hardly ever. Um, but yeah, it just you know to make sure we highlight them um, while we're talking about this line, like James Van Riemsdyk's been awesome and was again Thursday night and you know two nice plays to set up two goals and set up at least I'd say like three other grade a chances and we we know his goal scoring's there we know he can finish in close and we've seen that but even just like his touch down low to be able to set other guys up I mean you know the pass over to coil for coil's second goal it's it, it ends up being like a fairly clear lane and coil makes the right drive but Van Riemsdyk has the patience to see that developing and hold on and may, you know, turn what could have been like a rush play into an easy play. Um, you know, the, the quick pass out to, or um, now I'm blanking what his other assist was, but yeah, he's, he's yeah, yeah. He's just been really good. And um, certainly seems to have chemistry with those two, but just his his work down low in general continues to to be exceptional. And I know um, Milan Lucic was up in the in the Nesson booth for the second period, and they were talking about JVR a little. And Lucic, of course, Lucic like brings a stat ready to go, like a you know like an actual professional analyst. And he's like, yeah, I was looking at tipped shots over you know deflect deflection goals over the last however many years, and JVR was top five, and it's this is why the Bruins got him. Like this was a point of emphasis was getting grittier goals, getting down to the net and, and they have, and he's been a big part of that. Like they're near the top of the league in high danger chances and high danger goals, despite not being a, a great possession team or taking like a ton of shots They're They've really been a, a quality over quantity team when it comes to, to shot selection. 
I thought, yeah, I thought that Van Riemsdyk maybe had his best game of the season and he, it comes without him scoring, but he had such um, great offensive play with his passing. And I think, was it you who, who asked coach, someone asked coach about him uh, last night and he was like, are you pleasantly surprised with how good of a passer he is? And he was like, I'm pleasantly surprised with everything that we've gotten out of, out of Van Riemsdyk. Um, I mean, he's, he's big, he takes up space in front of the net. And even on a lot of goals where he doesn't have an assist, kind of like kind of needs one. He's just been completely blocking the goalie's view or and just like causing havoc out in front, making life much harder for the goalie. So um, today we saw a little bit different side of his game that if he can do that on a consistent basis, then you can really see that that line is a third line that can produce because he can score net front, but he can also um be patient with the puck and, and dish it off too. And I think that that line really gels because I, I think they're, they all kind of immediately, we already knew that Coyle and, and Frederick were, were pretty close, but I kind of get the sense that Van Riemsdyk also really has kind of taken to those two and has uh, formed a, a relationship with them. I know um, him and Coyle both played in hockey East and they're, they've both been around new England and, um, I'm not sure if that has anything to do with it, but I think that they get along as well, like just as friends. And then on the ice, they've looked good too. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives we're consumed by all the what if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun if you're like us then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass or play call each week on alternate routes we'll take a flashpoint in sports break down what actually happened then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused follow alternate routes on the wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts you can listen early and ad free right now by joining wondery plus Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Uh, so, Scott, going back to your opening shift, you mentioned how the Bruins are atop the standings, but it looks different. It feels different this year, and you're right. So, last year, and anybody with a pair of eyes knows that the offense looks different this year so far, right? But just a, you know, numbers to back that up. In their first 11 games last year, seven times, seven times the Bruins scored at least five goals in a game. 
it took them till their 13th game this year to score five goals in the game, as you mentioned, right? So that's that's why optically things look different. Yeah, there's some some different personnel too, and yeah, the uniforms look different, and it's, there's it's the hundredth season, and like there's there's reasons why this looks different, right? But that's the biggest thing. The offense is clearly not what it was uh, this time last year or at all last year. But the question is, right? Like last year, the Bruins fell to a team in Florida that, in my opinion, didn't have a whole lot of offense outside of a couple of players. Uh, so defense and goaltending is the most important thing. Have we learned that maybe being a top five, top 10 offense is a little bit maybe overrated if you have the goaltending defense the Bruins do, or do you still think they need to be a top 10 scoring team? So I will answer that in one second, but just to update, since we mentioned it, uh, Jim Montgomery just told, told report as well. We're recording Zaka and Forbert, both maintenance days as we suspected. Um, so both will play Saturday and Jacob Lauko also an option to play Saturday. So Sounds like he's very close. Um, I f- I do think they still have to get better offensively, and certainly Thursday night was a step towards that, scoring five. Um, I just think, look, if they're going to get the goaltending and defense they are, then you don't have to be elite offensively. But I do think you want to be like into the top 10, at least around that neighborhood, rather than middle of the pack or lower. And I think, I think they're 14th now after Thursday night, a couple games ago, they were 17th, I think. So they're already, you know, moving up a little just with a couple higher scoring games here recently. Um, But yeah, it's, you know, I think like when you compare this team and this offense to last year, in some ways, I, I feel like some, not us, but like some people have sort of had, had like the wrong takeaway from last year, which is like, oh, well, they could they could play that way and score like that in the regular season, but that doesn't work in the playoffs. And it's like, well, offense wasn't the problem against Florida. Like they, they scored enough to win that series, no question. They just gave up too much. And part of that was they were sort of playing fast and loose a little bit and they, they weren't tight and they weren't clean. And I think that just the style they're playing this year is forcing them to like really bear down more, especially with Montgomery's emphasis on net front play at both ends. And you're, you're seeing that pay off where like there are games that are getting outpossessed and outshot and outchanced, but those high danger chances stay strong right now. So the NHL has these edge stats now, which are like, kind of more advanced stats taken from puck um, like tracking data right now, the Bruins are on the 99th percentile in high danger shots. Like they're, even if they don't have great possession, they're getting those chances and they're not giving up a lot of high, high danger chances. And when they do, they have two goalies who are extremely good at making high danger saves. So it's like they've put this emphasis on winning in those areas and they are, and that goes so far towards winning games and so far towards playing a way that wins in the playoffs. So, yeah, it does look different because they're not as high-flying. It's not as wide open. But I think you could – them playing this way 
I think you could really see it benefit them come the playoffs. Um, I would just also know, like, it's it's a harder way to play for 82 games. They're off to a great start, which gives them a huge cushion. But, like, just like they're going to grind down opponents playing like this, at some point they might also grind themselves down, and you might see, you know, a, a blip at some point where they – where they have a bit of a skid because it's it's hard to play this way and be this detailed for six months straight. Yeah, but and you mentioned like the net front play being uh, an emphasis. Think about who they have on both ends of the ice net front. We've already talked about Van Riemsdyk being one of the best in the league net front on the offensive side. And then I would say um, Carlo is really an elite defensive net front guy where he's clearing guys out and pucks out of there better than most guys in the league can. And at times, Forbert as well can be pretty elite in that spot as a big body, clearing pucks out um, and blocking shots there. And even, I would say, Lindholm is pretty pretty good at that as well. But Carlo being elite, in my opinion, in front of the net. So that's going to stop the high danger chances from that close in, which is usually how something gets labeled a high danger chance is how close it is, how high percentage of shot it is. So um, that makes sense. In terms of um, offensive production, I I know we just talked about how good the third line is, and I think they'll produce a lot, but I think it's an outlier that they're going to have four goals in a given night. Like, that's not something that's going to keep happening. You Maybe they'll get two, maybe they'll get one, but um, it a hat trick for someone, you know, that leads to their first five goal game. And one of the goals is an empty netter. Like that's, that's great. And the offense definitely looked better, but in terms of actually putting up five goals, I think that this kind of is an outlier where you got four from one line and um, whether you call it the second or the third line, I guess it doesn't matter, but um, don't think that's going to happen super often. No, but I guess, I guess what I'm coming around to is, Last year was so fun to watch. Um, you know, it's easy to look back and be like, well, the Bruins prioritized goal scoring over over uh, defense last year. But, you know, not only do the Bruins have the highest scoring offense in the league, they also had, like, I think the best goals against in the league last year, too. So they were doing both, right? But when they got to the postseason against Florida, it, it, the, the, the difference in regular season hockey versus playoff hockey showed itself. And you have a team game planning against you for seven games. And while Scott's right, the Bruins scored uh, enough to win that series. It did become a run and gun show against Florida. And and, and they, they ended up sacrificing their identity to do so. I mean, I, that, that game six down in sunrise, I did not recognize that Bruins team at all. Um, so, Ultimately, if they go through stretches this year where they lose some games and they get tired because of the way that they're playing stingy defense because they have to, because the offense isn't good enough to allow them to get away with bad defense, and it costs them some points in the standings, but they know how to play those tight games better in the playoffs, then I'm all for it. Um, Last regular season was a blast to watch, but guess what? The spring ended two months too early. So uh, if if they're playing a different style this year – because they're because they have to because the offense isn't as potent. I think that <laughs> could benefit them. Um, so yeah, it looks much. And it's more and it's like it's more realistic. That's how more of the league has to play. Like you don't normally have an offense that can 
put up five goals a night. Like you're you're hoping that they can outscore opponents and, and you're hoping you get good goaltending, but a lot of the wins are, you know, three to one, three to two. They're not five to one. Like mm. you can you can get by with that. Yeah, and Bridget, good point highlighting Carlo too, because I know we've talked about him. We've said we, you know, we think he's basically playing the best hockey of his career just about. Um, I think there's been times in the past where everyone's wanted Carlo to be like that strong guy around the net in the D zone. And sometimes it's there, sometimes it's not. It does really seem like he's embraced that and like taken that to heart that he's, he's always been good with his stick. He's always been good positioning. But, like, now you actually see, you know, not toughness in terms of, like, taking guys down, you know, hammering guys left and right, but establishing body position and being strong and moving guys out of there, tying up sticks, not letting himself get pushed around. Like, I do think you've seen a difference in him really kind of embracing this new um, or not new, but like adjusted mindset and, and approach to really, you know, emphasizing that that part of the game. Yeah, agreed. He's he's been great, um, and and he's needed to be. He's, it's it's that time for him. You know, you're entering the prime of your career. You're a leader, um, and you're a veteran at this point. So, uh, Bridget, did you want to have any follow up on your opening take as far as the Bruins getting healthier, um, and getting I- bodies back? Well, I think just I don't know if I missed anything because I was trying to go through it quickly, but um, obviously getting McAvoy back is huge. And that wasn't a health thing. That was just a, you know, being done with a suspension thing. Um, But I don't know, Scott, thank you for clarifying um, that those were both maintenance days for forward and and Zaka. So that means like even more so to my point, they're going to be healthy uh, or they're going to be healthier coming up soon. So um, potential for Lauco to play, which, it, you know, that one's not the the biggest difference because I think Steen has actually been playing pretty well in there, but Lauco is better option than Brown. So, you know, the, there's an upgrade there for you if, if he's ready to play. Um, and it's been a long time since Lucci skated. So, I mean, that's a pretty big deal too. So, um, it's looking up. It's and not that the Bruins haven't been able to kind of cover those holes, but it's still like you question if the offense could could take a next step. And some of those guys that I mentioned coming back are are guys that could help the offense out too. So if you're if you're reaching a new level, which it kind of seems like they're finding a new gear, that could just help even more. Yeah, and Lucci just el- eligible to come off long term IR November eighteenth, so a little over a week. Um, you know, we'll see if he's ready by then. Obviously, he's been on the ice now. Next step is obviously practice with the team. Maybe he starts in no contact, or you know, maybe he's ready for for full contact right away. We'll see. But um, yeah, he could be back in you know a little over a week, and then Grizzlicks after Thanksgiving, if we met as we mentioned. Um, but yeah, I mean. Lauko can certainly help because, you know, I do think he's, I do think he brings more to the table than Patrick Brown, who we saw get back into the lineup on Thursday with geeky out. And, and I thought, actually thought Brown played pretty well. I know, you know, 
I've kind of adopted the Twitter persona as Patrick Brown's number one defender, but I did think him in that line played well Thursday, but Lauko brings certainly more speed. And I think even, even a little more physicality um, and can just kind of push defenses back more uh, on defense. I'm going to be really interested. I don't, I don't know if like they didn't take, do like regular line drills today, but I know me and Fluto are usually the ones who tweet out the lines and uh, I'm not there because we, we have this and Fluto didn't tweet out line combos from Friday's practice. So maybe they just weren't really doing five and five work, but I'll be interested to see if it's what the D pairings are and if it's Lori with McAvoy, um, which I think I suspect that's what it's going to be because I think Montgomery likes that Lindholm Carlo pairing and then forward Shattenkirk makes sense as a third pairing. And I think I want to see Lori stay in and Mitchell can be the extra defenseman. Um, Parker Weatherspoon already got sent back down to Providence. So that'd be really fascinating to me. If we get to see that, if we get to see Lori and McAvoy get at least a game together and, and possibly more than that. Sky, you jumped the gun for who's up, who's down. <laughs> oh, yeah. Which we should go to now because we don't have a lot sure. of time. I have a broadcast later, but um, let's get to it. Scott, you hit us with a down first. Um, Weatherspoon well, is physically sent down um, because McAvoy is coming back and Forbert's already back. So, um, you know, that's our really, that was like the only one down we could think of because we had a lot of ups, but it's been, we haven't had many cases that you can make for players that are solidly down. Sorry for my silence. I'm trying to, I knew that going into this segment. So I was trying to see, um, I was trying to tally up the, 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 the Montreal Canadians because they're playing the Bruins on Saturday and that rivalry has just kind of gone to gone to shit. Um, Montreal hasn't beaten Boston since 2019 and I was trying and and I'm going back to their head to heads. Uh, I'm back in 2018 and let me just scroll up real quick. You got, you got one Canadians win. You got two Canadians wins three. The Canadians have beaten the Bruins three times since 2018 and they've probably played like maybe 12 games or so. Um, so I guess is that, is the Bruins Canadians rivalry down? Is that a down this week for us? Yeah, for sure. We, we can throw that in there. Hope, hopefully I'm scratching and clawing to, here. Hopefully yeah, to take a swing up, though. Like, that, I mean, this Canadian team so far is competent, which is a change from, from recent years where they've been downright terrible. Um, you know, I think they're what, like six, five, and two or something. Yeah, six, five, and two. And they've been a pretty good five and five team. Uh, Sean Monahan is roaring back to life. And uh, after seemingly like just having his career go completely down the toilet, he's been very good this season. So um, maybe there's at least some hope there that like things can get interesting again between these two teams. But uh yeah the the rivalry is that has been down for for a while now unfortunately 
It's a real, um, it's a real shame. Yeah. So I was trying to think. Not, of, we're not going this time. Uh, maybe we're talking about maybe going in March, but we're not taking the trip up to Montreal. I always try to convince Scott to go with me. He didn't go last year. Well, no. I, I, yeah, I couldn't go last year, and yeah. I, I probably could have made this one work, but it, it would have been, it would have been tough. I would have had to rearrange some things, and it, it wasn't really worth it. But anyways, we're, we're gonna go um, share a beer tower at some point in March. So yes, um, I was trying to think of other downs though, and real quick, sorry, yeah, Scott, I, Scott, real quick, uh, eleven game win streak for the Bruins over Montreal. Yeah, <laughs> um, that's pretty bad for Montreal. You know, and I, I don't really think he's a down because I think he's continued to play pretty well. But Jake DeBrusque, you know, finally got up the schneid with one goal a few games back and now still remains stuck on one goal. Hasn't had a point the last two games. But like I said, like this feels like reaching, you know, kind of grasping at straws for another down because I don't think he's playing bad hockey. I think Jake DeBrusque is playing just fine. Um but you do still everyone kind of hoped that that first goal was going to like open the floodgates and it, it hasn't really done that yet. So more, more work required there for him to at some point, you know, actually catch fire and start having two, three, four goals go in. Yeah. And that brings us to the ups. Cause I don't think we had any more downs. Um, I'm going to take the easy one, Charlie Coyle, <laughs> Charlie Coyle with the hat trick obviously up um and that line as a whole brian you mentioned you could put pretty much anyone on that line on the up um but specifically charlie Coyle in that he does a lot of the other things right defensively and and small details but you don't see him score as much and he it was it was fun to see him actually be able to be the guy that's getting the setup pass and and finishing rather than being the setup guy. And even on his empty net goals, he was trying to set up Pasternak <laughs> and then Pasternak sent it right back over. So um, it was it was kind of nice to see everybody so happy for him for, for completing the hat trick. And um, also seems like that could be an option for them. They seem to, so I noticed this a few times. They put Coil out there before the rest of his line mates to start shifts like with another line because he's so good at the face off dot. So he'll win, he'll win a, a face off, stay out there for a little bit with a different line. And then his line mates will, will jump on the ice. And also I noticed them do that on the power play. Um, the, I think it was the goal he scored. He wins the face off, goes into the bumper and scores in the bumper and that they used him in the bumper on the power play more than they normally do. Um, he was in there with the first unit at the end of the game after him having such a good game. He was in there with the first unit in the bumper. Him and Zaka were both kind of rotating in, in there. Um, and maybe those are different ways you can use him throughout the season because you're, you're seeing his effectiveness, at least in this last game, you're seeing his effectiveness there at the dot, and um, which helps with your possession on the power play obviously, but also him finding space in the bumper. So maybe they use him there a little bit more. So I, he's my up. Yeah, that's a that's a bumper play you see a lot of teams um, use over the years. You just haven't really seen Boston do it, that that quick, like premeditated goal line bump back out to the goal line. You've seen the Bruins go to the bumper from the half wall a lot, but not, not the way they did it last night. That was – you've seen it done, but maybe I'm just wrong, but I feel like I haven't seen the Bruins do that set play 
all too often, but yeah, it looked good. Um, another guy involved in that set play was Pavel Zaka. Uh, he's not for me. Um, nine points in 13 games. You know, the, the, the first handful of games this year, he was uh, production-wise a little bit snake-bitten, was playing well, but just didn't have the numbers to back up his role as a top two center. Um, and let's call it what it is, a, a top center on this team right now. So, um, you know, his, his point production starting to uh, be rewarded uh, or reward his play and five five points in his last five games so he's slowly but surely really starting to um you know the the points are starting to get there for him my my up's gonna be kevin shattenkirk who i think has had a really strong stretch of games here recently and uh especially stepped up with mcavoy out he had three straight games playing over 20 minutes he was at about 18 and a half thursday night uh has been quarterback in that top power play unit. And I don't know if this is going to become a discussion. I kind of get the sense, maybe not yet, but the power play looked the best it's looked all season with him running that top unit. Um, you know, they've had a stretch with McAvoy out over these four games, four for 13, over 30%. Um, he picked up an assist on Pasternak's goal Thursday night. That set play you were talking about that ends up with Coyle starts with Shattenkirk walking the blue line and kind of dragging one of the forwards over to them. And that sort of helped open up that lane for, for Pasternak to then get it down low. Um, I think he's done a really good job there. And I think he's just done a really good job in general. And, you know, I, I don't think there's going to yet be like a serious conversation about should he be, there even after McAvoy returns I think I'm pretty sure the Bruins going to go right back to McAvoy there but I think we saw some things during the stretch that you know if the power play goes quiet again with McAvoy running it like Shankirk did a pretty good job and that could be an option for them at the very least he's at he's at least been on the second unit for pretty much the entirety of the season he's been getting power play time just now he gets bumped up because McAvoy missing the four games. And then, but that also changes Lori too, because Lori got a little bit of time on the power play um, in the few games he's been here on the second unit. So that probably takes him off. And, and it's taken Lindholm off a little bit. Sometimes he's out there um, for a very short amount of time in, with the second unit. But um, yeah, I mean, Shattenkirk has done well uh, on the power play. I would say that's been one of his strengths. I've seen some defensive miscues for sure, but. On the offensive zone, he's he's very good. Yeah, he's been everything that you kind of hoped he could be for this team. Uh, and he's, yeah, he's been subbing in for McAvoy. Great. Power play's been getting clicking here. And so he's he's definitely a good good choice, Scott. Um, we have a hard hard out here. So do either of you have anything to, to say before we before we go? A non, Non-Bruins thought, but the San Jose Sharks beat the Edmonton Oilers last night. Oilers oh boy. continue to continue to just hit new lows. Um, and the Sharks have now won two games. So, you know, look, look out, someone break up the Sharks. But uh, did, did you see the meme that they tweeted? I felt like it was borderline unprofessional. I think um, this might, I think you might have gotten tricked by a fake account, but, but <laughs> go on. Okay, maybe it was like, you know, 
it, maybe it was a fake account, but I just saw like it was like looking in the meme folder, lost meme, lost meme, lost meme, win meme. And, like they, they took out the win oh. meme, was, like ten losses <laughs> around it, and then a win. I didn't see that one. I don't. That might have been real. I saw. I saw a bunch of people retweeting. Um, it was like the the Mean Girls car scene, but everyone had like shark heads, and it said like get in losers we're going on a winning streak <laughs> um but that that was that was a, a fake same as a sharks account yeah uh i'm trying i'm trying to find it tough quick. tough times tough times in edmonton um bridget while, while you're looking for that yeah so as we mentioned uh we got a original six matchup saturday bruins canadians canadians are looking for just their fourth win over the bruins since 2016. Yikes. That's tough. That's tough. Hate to look, Scott, any chance you have to kind of bash Montreal, you're going to go for it now. You know, I wasn't, I didn't even think about this, but like I wore my Expos hat today. Uh, people watching somehow not even like making the connection that they're going up to Montreal, but um, yeah, I, I don't, like I said, I look, it's hockey's better and Bruins, Hockey is more enjoyable when there's an actual rivalry with the Canadians. So I hope we can at least like take a step towards that this year. Like I said, the Canadians are playing decent hockey. You know, I don't, I don't think they're ready to be a playoff team yet, but uh, Marty St. Louis at least has them, I think playing the right way. Yeah. All right, Bridget. You uh, did you find it? I found the mean girls one, but I, they post a lot. Like they post a lot of tweets. I'm like not even back a day yet. I'm not just gonna give up. All right, well, that's probably for the best because you have to go prepare for your broadcast this weekend. Yes. So that'll do it. Thank you all for listening, and we will talk to you very soon.